The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Uh, but our guests are Senator Mary Siri Carney uh, of Fidegail, Richard Boyd Barrett, uh, People Before Prophet TD, and Elaine Lachlan, Irish Examiner, political editor. The political story today: uh, the agreement overnight of a pay deal for the public service. Uh, that's got to be good news for the government, at least, that they got that over the line. Yes, Elaine? and I suppose as well for public servants. Uh, they did, obviously, we know we, the, the initial round only a few weeks ago broke down without agreement. Um, public sector uh, officials or, or representatives were looking for around 12%. Now they've got... Uh, 10.25. So 10.25, it's the halfway yeah. house between the eight and a half offered by government. More or less. Exactly. Now, but there will, I suppose, be little niggles that will have to be resolved. I know those representing Gardaí came out of those talks saying that uh, perhaps the government don't understand the pressures that are under uh, the force. Yeah. But a lot of the, the stuff, um, Richard, I'll go to you on this. A lot of the stuff that the Gardaí are complaining about is actually not so much about the basic pay because when they get pay and they get overtime, you know, the salaries aren't half bad and the conditions, if you're not really on the front line, uh, are not too bad either. Well, I mean, look, I think that the the thing for all workers at the moment is that they have lost, in real terms, significant amounts of income as a result of the cost of living crisis. And, you know, it's all very well talking about pay increases going forward, but people need to be compensated for what they lost under the last agreement, when they were hammered with a cost of living crisis, which probably in real terms meant that the average worker lost three, four thousand euro in real terms. And a lot of the difficulties are, 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 are the government going to recognise that as well as giving pay increases that actually match the cost of living hikes and the inflation increases. And then there is the key issue whether it's for guards or nurses or all teachers and a whole range of people, is the cost of actually putting a roof over yeah. your head now, here. Th- and that brings me to something else I was going to ask all of you. Uh, Ryanair buying a housing estate, or the vast bulk of it, in uh, close uh, enough to the airport, one bus stop away from the uh, Dublin airport, and they're doing it because they need to house their staff in affordable accommodation. It's not free. They're going to be charged at what they say is a, a fair rent. Is that not what the government should be doing for, for Gardaí and for nurses? And Without a shadow of a doubt. Without a shadow of a doubt. And I mean, the problem is that even when the government boasts about it boosting uh, house, housing supply, which is beginning to go up, but still nowhere near as far as it's going, about 60 to 70, if not 80% of the new housing that's coming is still unaffordable. It's unaffordable rents. It's unaffordable house prices. Now, what is the point in building a lot of stuff that nobody can afford, except the vulture funds, of course, who buy it all, uh, and then charge extortionate rents for it? So, yeah, the state has to much uh, intervene in a much more dramatic way, I would say, not just to build the social and affordable housing that we need, but even to buy up the stuff that is being delivered and uh, ensure that it is delivered as a social market. They are in the market uh, between the the housing bodies and the county councils. They do buy stuff up. They are. I think they're going to have... If I'm trying to buy a house and my competitor in the gazumpic business is the government or the council, that's a bit of a pain. Uh, Well, no, because the problem is that people who are trying to buy are having to pay unaffordable prices. If the state was buying it up for not just social, but affordable, so cost rental and affordable purchase, I mean, which is more or less the model in Vienna, for example, where 
where about 60% of all housing output has to be either social or affordable. And the yeah. state guarantees that that is the case. There's no reason we couldn't do that here. All right, Mary. This week we've had the very good news of the the, the new houses last year, the, the the development of that has been well ahead of, of targets. Yeah. Now, don't in, forget, it was 33,000 instead of maybe 30,000 was the hope. It's so 29,000 was the hope. That's yeah, grand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, half it is apartments. You know, we stopped building houses, particularly yeah. in the Dublin area. Well, well, I mean, uh, an apartment is a home. It's still, it's still a secure yeah, home for, and they can be up to. And really it's well, homes, sorry, yeah. I, and I meant homes. I meant homes. That's a, a, perhaps an old, an old thing in me. Over 500 people a week are first-time buyers are drawing down mortgages. So certainly there, we are scaling up home ownership, which is a, a particular priority of Fine Gael. So from that perspective, we see that supply is coming on board. We have the LDA in this in this week into the into the housing committee and have reports from them that there is this constant scale up. My home home constituency of Dublin South Central, we're going to have Denor Avenue and the LDA commencing their building there and their production with a focus on social and affordable housing. So ensuring that there is okay, but, that increased but level of supply. Who, you know, if you're a guard <laughs> in um, Terman Fecken, you can probably afford to buy a house with your partner in Terman Fecken. If you're uh, rather in Terenure, a guard there, you can't afford to buy a house in Terenure. Uh, and and absolutely, there's no question but that there is this. We we have we have um, a, a disparity between what is affordable and, and what is there. The best way to tackle that is with supply. There are um, there are supports in buying that the government have put in place, and the, and the the provision of all of those across the board are are what is scaling up home ownership and home security. And I think really? home ownership is actually where it's at now because I think from talking to to certainly government representatives in Leinster House. They're quite comfortable now going out on the doorsteps and talking to people on the issue of housing because they can point to the social housing estate that has been built and, and people in it in, in their local town or village. Um, but where uh, especially the government are getting caught out is on affordability, uh, both those renters and those looking to buy a first home. Because in many areas, especially in Dublin, uh, you can't get the first time buyer's grant anymore because your average semi-D or two-bed house is now beyond the 500,000 that that qualifies you to get the first time buyer's grant. uh, uh, The the problem of finding somewhere to buy in the first place. Now, uh, Richard, Mm. I want to go to you because uh, you might be familiar in our area because you and I live in the same area. Um, The lookout, Harborough Dorky, for a one-bedroom, one-bath, 2,150 a month, okay? Uh, Marietta Woods in the grounds of Castle Park School, uh, uh, a one-bed, 2,298 a month. I mean... It's, it's this is abso- not realistic. It's absolutely unrealistic. And I mean, th- this is the point I'm saying about the state having to intervene and uh, buy up that, that output at a far higher level than the current 10 or 20%, right? I mean, at the moment, every development has to give 10%, depending on when it was built, or 20% social and affordable. But that means 80% of what's being delivered is unaffordable. And it's at those levels of rents and those levels of prices. The average house price, by the way, in our area, uh, Pat, is now 600,000. Even new houses in Cherrywood, which is the biggest residential development in the country, uh, we're looking at prices of half a million to 600,000. Are they actually selling them? They're not... I think they have to be being bought by funds because who else could afford them? But ordinary working people are clearly not able to pay those prices. So the state has to intervene and subsidise those prices and those rents. There's just no other choice. Otherwise, the funds 
funds, the vulture funds, buy them up and rent them at extortion rents. And they obviously they have the patience uh, to leave some of them uh, vacant for a long, long time. if they're not affordable now, they hope they'll Absolutely. be Absolutely. And sorry, just one other thing to mention, uh, to because I think it is important. A lot of the housing delivery, that ha- increased housing delivery that is happening is one and two bedrooms. There's very, very little three and four bedrooms. And that means even if we're impacting on the one and two bedroom uh, households, we're seeing an increase in family homelessness because the developers are tending to concentrate on getting a lot of sm- smaller units on sites rather than yeah, build three and, and four. And show me a builder, in that Mary, area, show me a builder who's building apartments for families. I mean, you get two yeah. bedrooms which are aimed at a couple of professionals or one yeah. bedrooms, uh, but the three bedroom with a bit of storage and a bit of space for children to play and learn, do homework. Where are they? We have historically had far too few smaller homes available. So having one and two bedrooms are, are, are important. We need for the likes of, I, I live in Terenure, uh, for the likes of that area, if you want to write, so we have a lot of people in very large houses, but they won't sell, they won't uh, right size, I suppose is, is, to, is the terminology for it. They won't do that because they don't live the area, leave the area that they've and lived in. Also, they, they need don't want to, be to whatever to. nest egg they have, they don't want to spend it renting for the rest and, of their and, natural and lives. And that can be over come with with gift laws and all of that that goes okay. with that. Uh, but some of the but text, there is a need for yeah, this to have one Single people needs houses I work well. in a hospital and one of the overseas nurses is paying 550 a month for a shared double bed with another staff member uh, and the room is not en suite. Uh, Richard Boyd Barrett, like most socialists, lives in a fantasy world where money grows on trees, where every problem can be solved by throwing taxpayers' money at it. He doesn't seem to understand that money has to be earned by workers before tax is paid to finance everything. Socialism works until you run out of other people's money. That's from Tony Mnanen. Well, I ju- again, I just point to places like Vienna, which is not a socialist country, but it ha- f- 50 to 60% of all housing there is social and affordable and the state guarantees that. Similarly, in countries like Finland, uh, Helsinki, they have el- effectively eliminated homelessness by the state intervening and guaranteeing uh, yeah. both social and affordable now, housing. It can be done and it doesn't have to be radical socialism from, to do it. This is from Dahi. In Vienna, they retained their social housing stock. They didn't sell it off to the tenants. Unlike here, where the political party, um, political popularity trumps sensible policy every time. That's from Dahi. That idea, the tenant purchase schemes over years and years and years, it meant that the the housing stock owned by county councils was depleted because they kept flogging them off to it, the tenants. It did. Uh, although, if they were replaced then it wouldn't be so much of a problem. But the problem was that actually the policy was to for the government to dis, get rid of its responsibility for the provision of housing. And we had that policy pursued over about 20 or 30 years, depending entirely on the private sector, and it has turned us into a crisis situation. All right. Two-bed apartment in Sandyford Business District, 2800 a month. Who can afford that? Now, I want to change tack a lane. Uh, RTE and its, uh, the revelations about Toy Show the Musical. Mm-hmm. Um, in ways, uh, you know, you come across a lot of controversies working in Leinster House and a lot of political dilemmas. And the best way to shut down any sort of a scandal is to deal with it immediately or as quickly as you can. But Orti is in a predicament that it has to wait for. Well, this week it had to wait for the cho- toy show report. There will be several other reports coming. Um, so it'll be drip, 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 drip. It will be. And in the meantime, you have... Uh, people who are deciding not to uh, pay their TV licences in tens of thousands now, at Pas- this stage every Pascal month. Pascal Dunhu this morning on this programme said, no way will the state be funding uh, RT going forward. 
there will be a licence fee or some media fee in some form, Mm -hmm. but the state is not going to pick up the tab because he doesn't like the idea that the budget for any state broadcaster should be determined by how well they behave. Yeah, and then also it brings into uh, kind of light uh, the the power that a government of the day might have if it was 100% funding any media organisation. So that has to be taken into account as well. Well, I think we absolutely have to safeguard public service broadcasting, although, you know, the the governance scandal that we've seen emerge in RTE obviously has to be addressed uh, in a very serious way. But I don't think that public service broadcasting should be the victim or the workers in there. And to my mind... I think it should be centrally funded, but the way to raise the revenue, so if you like, you don't deal with the problems of just loading the cost into the budgetary considerations, Mm. is to introduce, as we have been arguing, a tax on social media and digital media companies who are making enormous profits, right, and don't pay much tax. And let's be honest, in some cases, not all cases, but in to, to a significant degree, are contributing to the world of misinformation. So we do need reliable public service uh, broadcasting. And I think a digital mm. uh, tax on well, social media m- companies could finance lost that. in advertising uh, by broadcasters and indeed newspapers has gone to social media companies. That's uh, the reality of it. Yeah. Mary, <clears throat> what to do? What to do? Well, first of all, I mean, the, the absolute absence of, of proper governance. You think of, of small community groups that have to have a board. That board get get annual training in corporate governance standards and ensuring that you have people on the board that are asking the quest, correct questions. And that's a very small level funding and that's very small level accountability uh, that must be in place. So the idea that a decision that cost over two million um, was just waved through without anybody asking any questions is really quite appalling. It never um, got formal yeah. sign-off by the board. And, you know, and now no, what but there were very means. unrealistic also uh, yeah. views regarding okay. ticket sales, regarding all of that. Now, I want to move on to whether or not it's realistic mm-hmm. to decriminalise as the Citizens' Assembly is recommending. Mm-hmm. And this was a, a, an interesting one. I think something that the government will have to grapple with, although time is ticking for this government. So whether they can just push it down the road to but the is next it, government. But is it wise to actually say, fair enough, you can do mm-hmm. your cocaine, you won't be done for it, even though you are contributing to the gangland killing and mayhem? Well, I think you have to, oh, and it came out of the Citizens' Assembly, that you have to treat... Uh, drugs not just as a criminal offence but as a health issue and decriminalisation might go a long way But only way a small fraction that. of the middle class users they're always talking about are actually in trouble medically or anything else. There's no health issue for them. They are just recreational users from time to time and yet they are fueling the kinhans and their like. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, but the, likewise if you say there are a lot of people with mental he- health issues with other health difficulties um, and a combined diagnosis of addiction. Yeah, but you don't shut down every pub because of the few alcoholics. You know, you don't. But you can also so do you just the open the season split. for cocaine, just because there might be a few people with a difficulty. Anyway, Richard, what do you think? Look, this, it's a complex issue, but criminalisation has failed, and the, with criminalisation, effectively, whether we like it or not, what we're doing is criminalising about half of the population, uh, and we are we are creating a criminal underworld and all that goes with it. And surely we learned that from the prohibition of alcohol and how that, spurn, that spawns, uh, you know, wide-scale 
uh, mafia. And, yeah, but uh, you know, I mean, you've got your Diageo supplying that market now. Um, who's going to supply the cocaine market if you decide to decriminalise Well, I think it is better to regulate it. And we're, in fact, people for profit, Gino Kenny has got a bill. We have a bill in the Dáil next week uh, uh, urging the government to decriminalise the possession of, of marijuana. And I think we have to go down that road because it's obvious that criminalisation has failed. It has caused far worse problems uh, than, uh, you know... Mary? The, the the taking of illicit drugs is the same regardless of what society you're, and what socio-demographic group you're looking at. The, the HSE figures will show that. But the disproportionate effect on, on ending up in the criminal justice system um, heavy, heavily impacts on more impoverished and disadvantaged groups. So they are yeah, the people I, that I need to be supported day, though, and need tell, to be targeted. If you tell the middle class parents who do, might do recreational cocaine, I'm sorry, you're going to have this on your passport. You're not going to get into America with your kids to Disneyland if you do cocaine. And, and we most certainly need to press home the point that the fact that, you know, a, a friend recently, her son told her that there was a queue at the gents toilets the previous night when he had been out. The queue is not, whereas us For women are used to it. Yeah. It's not for toilet reasons, it's for taking cocaine and, and dealing drugs right. reasons. Before we close, we, we have to talk about Gaza. Now, Richard, we are expecting the uh, court, International Court of Justice to do something today. Uh, do you believe they'll stop Israel or try to stop Israel? I, I think if they do not uh, adopt the preliminary measures uh, against Israel, for what I certainly believe, and I think it's obvious when you look in front of us, is a genocide and fits all of the definitions of genocide under the Genocide Convention, then international law will uh, have no credibility left. And that's what's at stake. Uh, obviously, we need to stop the horror that we're witnessing. It is just beyond belief that this is still going on, that Israel has been given impunity. And I personally believe that if it wasn't for the impunity that Western governments have given Israel for decades of ethnic cleansing, of occupation, for the siege of Gaza, we wouldn't be in this horrific situation. The impunity has to end, otherwise this horror is going to continue. Yeah, and you can see the scale of it. The WHO director uh, during a media briefing actually broke down a man who's very used to dealing with catastrophes across the world and just couldn't get the the words out to describe what is going on on the ground in Gaza right now. Um, It'll be interesting to see uh, the reaction both from Israel to whatever uh, comes out of the court today, but also those allies. uh, We've seen the likes of the US, uh, what the reaction will be to this initial um, yeah. court ruling. Um, interesting videos being released. I mean, ITV had uh, the, the shots, I don't know whether you saw, a horrible, horrifying report. People with a white flag yeah. trying to get so, relatives shot dead by uh, the IDF. Just incredibly heartbreaking scenes. Then on the other hand, the Israelis released uh, stuff this week of the Hamas guys on October the 7th beheading people. With knives, and neither yeah. is correct, Pat. But yeah. Um, yeah. it has to stop. Both need stage. to both need to be absolutely condemned. What we will will see today will be whether it is a plausible case uh, or not, and hopefully instructions. No, but if they but, say but something, the if they is, say, no matter what they say today, they call for a ceasefire. no child's life will be saved sure, this weekend. Politically, the way it will be done will be through what diplomacy. What should our government do if there is a recommendation for an immediate ceasefire? What should our government do? Our, our government needs to take take that stance 
uh, and then they will they will Should decide they, they will get the legal. To the South African action, I, I will. I'm, I think that they need to go away and they need to consider the legal implications of that. But what they need to do is step up their diplomatic, and that is what they have been doing. But the Taoiseach and the Thornista has been doing that at a, a very high level for quite some time now. And we need to remember the fact that on the 27th of February, there is going to be also a hearing in The Hague that will listen to where our Attorney General will make a presentation okay, on the, occupi- yeah, listen, on the listen, occupation. I, I think, frankly, it is shameful that the government didn't, as we requested them in a dull motion in November, we asked them to instigate the case that South Africa is now uh, taking. And at that point, there were 11,000 people killed in Gaza. There's now more than 25,000. They should have done it and even now there has to be consequences for Israel for doing what it's doing. If there aren't consequences they will continue to do it. There need to be consequences but the diplomacy is what is going to win the day here. Well it's not Israel that needs to be interested in diplomacy. I think the Irish government and I think this is probably going on and has been going on in the background needs to coordinate with some of their partners maybe Spain, Belgium to join that action at the same time so we don't become a pariah state. We have to leave it there. Elaine Lachlan, Irish Examiner, political editor, Richard Boyd Barrett, people before Prophet TD and Senator Mary Siri Carney of Fidegail. Thank you all. And that's all we have time for. A reminder that our items from today are uploaded as podcasts. You can listen to them on the News Talk app powered by Golad. Just search for The Pat Kenny Show. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.